everybody. I'm Kevin. And I'm Kayla. We love movies. And talking about them. This is The Martini Window. Joining us today, we have filmmaker and second AC with such credits as Power of the Wingman, Between Two Pints, and second AC on such series as The Flash. Today, everybody, enjoy Rob Hunt. Rob, thank you for joining us on the show. My pleasure, Kevin and Kayla. Lovely to have you here. Yeah. Now, we actually have some familiarity with Rob. Uh, the three of us just completed work on a music video recently, and uh, Rob and myself and Kayla actually worked on the same series for quite a while. Um, so it's really nice to be able to talk to you here, Rob, about a movie that you particularly were interested in talking about today. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm excited. Should I tell them? I can tell them. You can tell them. Please tell them. Uh, yeah. So when we talked about this, I had two choices, and... My uh, initial gut reaction would have been a little bit less interesting, and I want to talk about Death to Smoochie today. Yeah. Um, directed yeah. by Danny DeVito, a box office flop, however, a cult classic. I feel most cult classics star as flops. We were watching a video earlier about the movie, and we were just rewatching the movie for this, by the way, and it is so funny. It's, <laughs> it's incredible. Is absolutely, deftly hilarious. and uh, I had never seen this movie before, and it's now one of my favorite movies. I love black comedies. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, yeah. I, 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 I saw a video review, and they think that the reason it bombed is, A, because it's super weird, but also it's so black. Like, it's about kids' stuff, so people kind of go expecting it to be fun, and it's it's dark. Well, this was also 2002, man. Like, this was not a same era for now. Kids' stuff had to be pretty whitewashed and pretty censored back then, so... You're advertising, like, you think about the fact that even in 2016, Sausage Party came out in the era of the internet, clearly an R-rated anime movie, and people, people were still taking their kids there and getting pissed off. Like, I could see why in 2002, <laughs> they thought a Robin Williams movie with a Barney-like character was going to be fun for kids. Oh, yeah. And, well, it, it's interesting because it kind of predicted how people love watching uh, famous people melt down and destroy themselves <laughs> with Robin Williams' character. <laughs> and uh, I feel like that was, they really saw that coming because that wasn't that they like without social media in 2002 uh -huh. they really couldn't you couldn't do it the same no but that was the era of like the reality tv show though we were starting yeah. to get into that really trashy era of television oh god i hated that era yeah my family loved the osbournes back then yeah i liked the joe schmo show but uh, that, that was, was a about fun it. one from the same creators of uh deadpool and Zombieland. funnily enough same writers oh really yeah that was a uh, referee some paul wernick yeah uh, Are you familiar that's with the joe awesome. schmo show kayla I never saw the Joe Schmo show. So it was fantastic. So it was this uh, show back in, I think it was like 2003, 2002. Uh, was it 03, Rob? It, it was, I believe it was 03, but it was, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, so it was a series on Spike TV. And uh, what it was is it was a reality show where it was kind of like a Bachelorette type series, right? Okay. Um, except uh, everybody in this series, except for one guy, was an actor. Everyone. It was a, yeah, so it was a reality show using the tropes of reality shows yeah. to Truman show this one contestant throughout the whole thing that's yeah. hilarious yeah it uh it did a wonderful job highlighting that like because he was genuinely a decent person on the show and it just highlighted how like a lot of reality reality shows where people are acting awful like they're doing it because they're on camera they're doing it like it's fiction they're not really like that and it's kind yeah. of sad yeah whereas in the case of joe schmo show these actors were quite literally also writers like two of the actors in the show were um david hornsby who plays david on mythic quest nowadays and was known as rickety oh, wow. cricket for the rest of uh always sunny in philadelphia rickety cricket yeah rickety cricket and always sunny and uh an early appearance of an early role for Kristen wig oh wow yeah Kristen wig was in that cast years uh, before awesome. snl <laughs> yeah yeah 
But yeah, that was the era of this movie. And you are right. The writer of this clearly had an understanding of where society was going here, right? Uh, oh, yeah. And like, not even just that, Adam Resnick. Thank you. Adam Resnick. Not even just that, but it kind of predicted our level of cancel culture nowadays. Oh, yeah. Well, and yeah. even the weird, okay, it's really weird and not totally, I, but like, he takes him to a Nazi rally. Oh, like, my God. Like, like that was <laughs> that was absurd in 2002. But like, like now, now, not so like, oh, what is it, a Proud Boys meetup? Like it's, you know, there are those. Like I thought that yeah. was just such an absurd thing. Like, you know, it's it's a comedy, obviously, that such a thing doesn't happen. It's like, crap, man, it, it does. Like, wow. How crazy to think, by the way, that Nazis in media and otherwise were, like we just assumed everyone knew it was bad. Like anytime you see Nazis in a movie or show, it's for, it's for a reason like that. Like Blues Brothers, they, uh, with yeah. the uh, Illinois Nazis, same yeah. thing. That was like 1982. You know, go forward, and we have uh, go forward. We're here. Same thing with uh, with this Nazi rally actually showing up. And yeah. you're right; like it's played as a joke back then. But we are actually in an era now, funnily enough, where this is a real damn thing. It's an actual concern people should have. Didn't somebody yeah. give Indiana the new Indiana Jones a bad review because they didn't explain why you had to punch Nazis? Yeah, some right wing, uh, some right wing oh, uh, reviewer ended up giving a bad review because he is like, "Oh, well, they're punching the Nazis for no reason. They don't show why they're evil." Indiana Jones and they're Nazis. <laughs> There's only a few objectively evil things in this world, and we all agreed in the 40s that Nazis were one of them. Oh yeah, the world collectively agreed they were bad, right? Yeah, the whole world was there. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh my god, but yeah, that scene is hilarious, though, especially because yeah. you contrast it with just this, like, what was it John Stewart's character in the movie uh, refers to Sherman as uh, um. A bottle of pancake, uh, a bottle of maple syrup, and a person. Yeah, like he's yeah. just the sweetest, most squeaky clean person you could imagine. What I actually, yeah. what I actually found that I really loved in the comedy of this is just the situational character humor, character humor of when you need a squeaky clean person for TV, but then you have corrupt execs actually having to deal with someone with morals. Yeah, they're like, this yeah. looks great. Let's get him on. Oh wait, we can't sell stuff anymore. <laughs> Yeah, or it has to be healthy, and yeah, it's not addictive, and yeah. Well, it's like uh, that bit with the ice rink uh, when he's talking to Benny, and he says, he says, and you want to do all this and give half the profits away? No, 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 we're giving away all the profits. The other half's going <laughs> to, like, I just love that. The assumption is, oh, no, yeah. don't you understand? Only half of them are going to the uh, methadone clinic. We're getting rid of all of it, though. Like, just those each reveal that tops the other with him, I love throughout that yeah. movie. Um. Also, for a movie in 2002 to have a guy talking about, like, moving over to gluten-free bread and, like, uh, you know, his weird-ass hot dog he's eating at one point that dyes his teeth green as he's talking to Kath uh, Nora Catherine Keener, who is phenomenal. Oh, yeah, the, like, veggie movie. dog. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the veggie dog. And it's funny because Kayla and I were talking about this. And what was you were saying, Kayla? Like, I was like, is... this is almost normal now. Yeah. But back when this movie came out, I think this was written to highlight how much of an extreme difference is between them. Yeah. Because this yeah. would have been seen as kind of crazy and yeah yeah bizarre. and now it's like oh are you on the carnivore diet no i'm on the this diet <laughs> it's so it was quite ahead of its time in that way and like i think you know i'm gonna i'm gonna start from the beginning on this one so the movie starts off with robin williams doing this uh fantastic scene sequence with all these kids is rainbow randolph right uh yeah and what i find interesting is that you have the entire motivation behind robin williams in this movie uh, his revenge against Smoochie and everything, they really reel it all out in like the first 10 minutes of the movie. Like, Oh yeah, he, he just crashes and burns as a career. 
in like the first two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, and I, I like, there's so much about that even now that it's just like, well, also it's weird because like he doesn't, he hasn't played, uh, Robin Williams hadn't, uh, hasn't played a lot of villains or didn't no, play he a lot hasn't. Of them. No. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it because I, I kind of went in. I, I remember when I first watched it, I was like, I had no idea what I was watching. And I was like, oh, it's Robin Williams. Oh, he's the hero. Oh, it's going to be like him. Come, Oh, my God, he's the villain. Well, he does save him in the end. He reminds ah. me. He, he <laughs> reminds me of a deranged, alcoholic, wily coyote who is also a children's entertainer. Yes, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a very apt uh, metaphor or analogy. Yeah, well, I mean, just this, like, you know, Robin Williams' energy in that movie is, uh, it's so, it comes out in spurts, I find. Like, you have, he has this elegance to him when he's playing Rainbow Rainbow Randolph actually on stage with the kids. He's got that fierceness to him when he's taking the bribe to put the kids up front. Which, by the way, I gotta point out, in a movie like this, you almost expect it to be, like, an alcohol scandal, a sex assault scandal, something like that. I actually loved how creatively corporate the scandal was in this case. Yep. Taking money to highlight children. Yeah, which is totally I, something that, like, man, that's that's definitely happening in kids' TV. Well, I mean, you listen back to the old stories about, like, the Soupy Sales show and Bozo the Clown and stuff like that, you know, back in the 1950s and 60s. Uh, you hear about a lot of those old stories now about how they had their own groupies, how they're taking bribes, stuff like, stuff like that, which actually yeah. brings me to another thought about this movie. I have to wonder, when Adam Resnick wrote this movie, did he have any of those, uh, you know, all the urban legends that we had growing up about Barney, how it was like, I'm oh, sure yeah. like, I mean, Kayla, you're from Australia. Did you guys have Barney? I have a specific trauma with Barney. Yeah. Not, not anything really bad, but I did edit a uh, sound design for a film school project. And I thought it would be hilarious to make a horror film that starts having weird things happen. Every time the Barney, the dinosaur theme plays doing the oh, sound man. editing on that is just like, I never want to hear that song again. Oh my God. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, we had a friend of ours actually in craft service uh, tell us a story about that with the movie Good Boys. How was that uh, bang, bang into the room song? Yeah. And she was saying like, ah, we had to hear this song 500 times over the course of a week. And it was only the first freaking part of it. And they cut the damn scene from the movie after we tortured us for a week with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh dark. God. Um, but yeah, so we all have those Barney rumors growing up, you know, like when you're a kid, you hear the things like, well, did you hear that the first Barney actually got fired? He's in jail now because he was molesting children. And then you hear the other one being like the other Barney was fired because he was found with cocaine inside his suit. And it's always these like really heinous things that lead you to believe that this children's show is employing like, you know, homeless people off the street as Barney the dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm watching this movie and I have to imagine that these were definitely in Adam Resnick's head when he was writing this. Yeah, no, it, it like I the whole the whole concept and the, and now it's even more interesting with this movie where they've just announced that there is going to be like uh, a Barney movie that will be targeting adults who loved Barney as a kid. Yeah, with Daniel Kaluuya uh, starring and producing. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that because even like if you told me a year ago that I would have wanted to see the Barbie movie, I would have thought you were crazy. And yet, you know, a movie about a fictional doll coming to the real world <laughs> is kind of intriguing. Especially when it's written and directed by uh, Greta Gerwig and written by her and Noah Bumbach. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole thing is like, I would never believe that that is definitely a movie. And also that people are like, oh, yeah, Oppenheimer and Barbie, double feature, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Barbenheimer. Bar <laughs> yeah. 
actually, uh, I, I'm pretty excited for Barbie, though. I will say that. I am quite excited. It's actually one of the movies I was most looking forward to this year. Excellent. Uh, yeah. I don't know. The The movie's going to be out by the time this uh, episode's out, I believe. But, you know. Um, one of my favorite things on, on the topic of the Barbie movie, I love the Barbie that uh, Kate McKinnon is cast as because it looks like she's a five-year-old's Barbie. Like, her hair's everywhere. She's got crayon <laughs> on her face. She's like, yeah. you have to pick the sandal. <laughs> uh, but you're right about this Barney movie coming out with Danny Kaluuya. You know, it's actually part of an ongoing trend that, weirdly enough, I think started with The Muppets in 2011. The Muppets oh, really? was not obviously a vulgar movie. It was very PG, G, G mostly, but the meta humor was there. The adult humor, you know, the comedy that went over kids' head was definitely there. Um, I loved it. But then as time went on, I remember they announced a Sesame Street movie a number of years ago that the pandemic mm -hmm. all in all killed. Uh, but this movie was crazy. They had Bo Burnham writing all the songs for it. It starred Chance the Rapper. Uh, they were trying to go with the level of like 2011 Muppets, but applied to Sesame Street. I have well, no you idea could, what the plot I mean, was going. Sorry. Oh, you could totally have it where someone's like an adult and they're trying to get back to Sesame Street because the song is like how to get to Sesame Street, and it could be like a <laughs> like a semi-fictional place, like it's like uh like uh, like moves around or you yeah. have to find it, you know, or like something weird like that, like that. There's a lot of like anything with Muppets is yeah. There's a lot you can do with that. Totally, but this was an actual movie that was greenlit and everything, but the pandemic oh, killed wow. it, and I haven't heard anything about it since. Um, Bo Burnham was writing all the music for it. That alone had me intrigued. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, you have you have the guy who did Inside writing a Sesame Street song. Oh, it's <laughs> nuts. But now, back to Death to Smoochie, though. Like, that, this whole era, uh, this whole era that it was kind of trying to spark, you know, we see a lot of, the, a lot of these things from that kind of time period. Of course, this is 2002, but... Look at the mid '90s with movies like Meet the Feebles because we couldn't do an R-rated Muppets movie, right? Right, and that's what we have uh, with Death of Smoochie. It was very clearly supposed to be Barney, very clearly. Yeah. Uh, but you can't. No way in hell at that point were they ever going to let you say something about Barney. So switch the names around. And all of a sudden, you can have him having sex with the uh, head of the studio and <laughs> getting a gun pulled on him by Robin Williams, like. <laughs> oh, I mean, and Barney, they did they did a job like such a good job with him, like that. Really, you can't really say that the purple dinosaur is portrayed in an evil way in this movie so yeah. yes he has sex with the head of a studio but like it, it's it is his love interest it's not like it's seedy so yeah that's true although he also has a disturbing ass songs about stepdads oh is it uh, yeah stepdad uh, uh stepdads aren't aren't bad they're just adjusting but always remember they're in charge <laughs> <laughs> was that he oh. locks me in my room with no dinner but he's not bad he's just adjusting <laughs> Oh wow! Oh, wow, that's <laughs> a dark. dark, dark song, man. It's like you start seeing a lot of that. I think with Edward Norton's character throughout the movie, his sunny disposition is clearly a defense mechanism. The stuff he's singing about is like pretty dark yeah. when you think about it. It's clearly yeah, trauma. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, Danny DeVito, though, you know, he directed a solid string of movies. The personal one that I love is Matilda, which I thought the musical recently was fantastic. Um, he directed Matilda. He directed before that the War of the Roses and uh, Throw Mama to the Train. The yeah, well, I I heard that uh, the one I watched a little like like uh, about Death to Smoochie, and they suggest that this the failure of this movie is why he um, he like is now on uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. 
Yeah. Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, credit uh, JoeBlow.com what the fuck happened <laughs> to Death to Smoochie because yep. it's clear we watched the same video. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Though I, I have to admit, like, also him in, like, the Jumanji movie was exceptional. Like, Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. I'm glad he's not directing as much because he's great on screen. Yeah. The, the guy who makes a lot of these uh, WTF videos is a friend of mine on Facebook who might see this, so I'm just uh, letting him know that, uh, hey, we saw your video. <laughs> yeah, excellent. It was a good video. Because I realized I knew nothing about the behind the scenes of the movie and was like, I better find out. All I'd remember was that I'd heard DeVito. I think I'd heard the, the commentary on it or something, but he like muttered to himself like, yeah, it's finally all over. And like, there's just a side comment about like, clearly the movie did not do well for his life. Well, the last movie he did after that was Duplex. But one thing I was very surprised to find out about, I am shocked Danny DeVito has not directed a single episode of Always Sunny. Oh, wow, really? In yeah. 17 seasons. Well, 16 for him. Yeah, maybe he just doesn't want to direct anymore. Well, no, because he's done a pilot since then. He's done a short oh, film. He's, wow, yeah. okay. Yeah. Weird. I would, I would think it would be strange. Maybe they can't afford him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. It's really unfortunate, though. I, I quite like his directorial eye. I mean, as a producer, he was unbelievably prolific. Uh, yeah. You know, he, he produced uh, Pulp Fiction. Holy crap, really? Wow. Yeah, man. Danny DeVito produced Pulp Fiction. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, one thing that not a lot of people ever seem to really know about him. But, you know, Death to Smoochie is actually the sort of movie I kind of wish we'd see more of nowadays. And I feel like had this movie existed nowadays, yeah. it probably would have been like a six-episode HBO miniseries, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, hell, that would actually be amazing as like a Netflix miniseries of this. That would, uh, that would be so good. Well, have you seen the series Kidding with Jim Carrey? Uh, no, I actually that was mentioned in the W, like uh, the Joe Blow thing, and I, it was. Uh, I was like, I'd never even heard of this movie, and now I want to watch it. Uh, it was, it wasn't a movie, it was a series, but this is actually one that I was watching from day one. It was Jim Carrey plays a Fred Rogers type character, and you start seeing the darkness behind the smile, like. Oh his, wow! His uh, his you know, twin sons. One of them was killed in a car accident before the show starts. Uh, his, he got divorced from his wife, played by Judy Greer. Um, you know, he's trying to like, go through and try to maintain this Mister Rogers aesthetic about himself, and trying to always see wow. the right side of things despite the world falling apart around him. It lasted two brilliant seasons. It was uh, a lot of the episodes are directed by Michelle Gondry. Wow! Who, of course, did Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. Uh, Moon Indigo, The Science of Sleep, uh, Green Hornet, because I know that one has its fan base too. Um, How had I never heard of any of this? Like have the, you not seen the kidding? No, no, these. I mean, kidding. I have I'm, no I'm, idea. It was a fantastic yeah. series. If you like Death to Smoochie, it's a little bit more personal, and introspective, obviously. But uh, yeah. I, I think it was easily some of Jim Carrey's best acting in many, many years. You know, it was clearly a character that he felt very close to and felt very much wanting to dig into and i think much like you see and i see a parallel between him and robin williams actually wow. uh yeah well I, i'd say a mix of robin williams no no not robin williams i'd see a parallel between him and edward norton like i would not be surprised i'm according to imdb jim carrey was at one point cast in death to smoochie but dropped out so i'm curious if he was actually cast as uh smoochie as sherman uh or Rainbow, oh yeah, maybe, maybe, or maybe they wanted him to be Rainbow Randolph. I don't know about that, because at this point, uh, Robin Williams was considered an old head, still. Jim Carrey, oh. 2002, he's still just riding off the 90s success at that point. Oh yeah, you're right, yeah. 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 Huh. And uh, so, from, from the sor and sources say that Robin Williams was the first one they thought of for Rainbow. Oh, that is, yeah, that, that, uh he was so good. It was so uh, good. 
so good. I could watch that man act all day. Oh my god! With what Robin Williams in it, it's it, no no matter what the topic, I'll watch it. Yeah, I you know I've I've said about Robin Williams before, and like I, I'll watch every single movie this guy ever took part in because I stood to reason where I say you know we we always talk about like modern talents, modern greats, and we say Robin Williams, we talk about him like oh yeah he's one of uh one of the greats of our time, and I actually take a little bit further from that. I feel like in let's say we're like uh, 200 years in the future from now, right? And the world's, you know, on a 1% chance still around. Um, we're 200 years in the future. I always believe that Robin Williams is one of these people that's going to be talked about in the same uh, in the same echelon of performance as like William Shakespeare and stuff like that. I've always thought it's about Robin Williams. He's not just a person of our time. I consider him like, like he's going to be like the Mount Rushmore of entertainment over the last thousand years. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That's my, well, that's my at- mindset of Sorry? Well, you look at all his movies, they're all so, like, they're, because, you know, we live in a world now of, like, reboots and remakes and sequels God. and, like, really big IPs and, like, all, almost all, like, so many of his movies were not these things. They were, like, you know, weird, weird, unique things. Like, he voiced Aladdin's genie before they had celebrities coming in all the time doing stuff. And, yeah, and uh, that actually, in my opinion, kind of uh, ruined voice acting. <laughs> I gotta be honest with it's you. It's true. Yeah, I, I I love him in the role, absolutely. But that singular casting is what stopped voice actors from getting those roles. Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, well, he is like he is so expressive with his voice that he is the voice act. Like he is a good because with all of his stand up comedy and his impressions. Yeah, uh, but it, and like other movies, if you look at like Toys and just like That's all such like, a Patch Adams, like, just. Yeah, like that Mrs. Such Delphire. a weird oh, movie. They, <laughs> yeah, like just such freaky. You know, like they weren't they weren't these big IPs that we see now. Like he did big stuff, but like even even he didn't do Peter Pan. He did Hook, right? Like, yeah, I loved him in Good Morning Vietnam. I oh, felt oh God. that movie. I love how it goes from him being like a comedian <laughs> and then actually seeing the realistic horror of what's going on around him and having to oh, yeah. kind of like take whatever accountability yeah. he can have to legitimately help instead of just talking about it now what if i told you that him and barry levinson took the clout from that movie that they got to make toys oh my god oh yeah that was barry levinson and robin williams uh using their clout to make toys and i don't think toys is a bad movie but it is a very weird movie borderline art house it is it is so weird it is so weird do it mushrooms so weird. and watch it. Yeah. I actually genuinely sometimes don't know if I call that movie good or bad. It exists, it's an and I'm happy it does. <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah, really no. sure it has a plot. Like, it sounds like a Robin Williams experience. I need to have. It's a good one to watch for sure. I mean, watch it once, absolutely, and you'll actually. It's one of those things I think you'll watch it and you'll start noticing uh, how often it's been parodied in the cartoons and stuff like that uh-huh. too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, here's here's the synopsis. A high tech toy factory falls into the hands of an army general who turns the models into killing machines. The deceased <laughs> owner's children know what's afoot, and although apparently powerless, have to find a way to bring down the nightmarish empire that is being constructed under their noses. Yeah. You see, I didn't get that from the plot. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's just bizarre. God. Oh my god. Well, I mean, I love small soldiers, so I'm I sure love I will small love toys. That's a great movie. Um, yeah, this this one is more adult than Small Soldiers, but yeah. yeah. Actually, Robin Williams' performance in Death of Smoochie, obviously amazing. I love watching him play a villain because I've seen him as good guys so much, but just watching him get yeah. to this deranged place. Oh yeah, was he's just so chewing cool. the scenery. But he's not my favorite character in the movie. 
weirdly enough, favorite? my favorite character is Tommy Coulter. Sorry, Tommy Cotter. <laughs> <laughs> I love her as a mafia mom. Like she is so <laughs> she's so hard on Smoochie or on Sheldon. Yeah. When yeah. she's you have to get my cousin into this, but when Sheldon actually just becomes her cousin's friend and is patient with him, watching oh, yeah. her go to bat for Smoochie oh, against it's, all it's of these. Done. That subplot is like heartbreaking, but fuck it. It's so sorry the language. It's so good okay. though. Oh man, yeah, it's spinner great. done and like the the guy who's so clearly sweet. been hit in the head too many times. It's like and is just like a decent guy and yeah, like and the thing is too at that time too they, they wouldn't have been playing him as you know mentally challenged or anything like that necessarily. He's no. a boxer who was a champion who took a few too many a knocks lot. to the head, and we've seen a lot of boxers nowadays like who uh, who had these yeah. sorts of situations. I think George Foreman has talked about how he barely remembers half of his like twenties to thirties now. And then, like, they, oh, yeah. and then they take his performance in the show where he almost has this moment of clarity when he's talking to Sheldon about having the lights on him again at the ice show. And you can tell uh, that yeah. that's like his former intelligence coming back when he was the star of the ring. Yeah. That yeah. there's a lot of fog there that's not yeah. going away. Yeah. 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 yeah I felt I like know, they uh... didn't, they, they weren't like actually disrespectful, I feel like, of him, but it was also awesome. A lot of movies in this era would have been too. That's the thing. Yeah. A lot of movies, Michael Raspoli played that with such a good amount of conviction to the role, yeah. um, but in a way that a lot of movies would have made a huge joke of it. And with him, he was a joke for the first few seconds, but he's actually a very heartwarming character who just truly loves Smoochie and loves to, and wants to be part of the show. And it's just... Yeah, loves a, singing. <laughs> yeah, he's just a ray of positivity. Like, And that's what I love. I agree with Kayla. Like the Having Tommy be the mafia mama throughout the rest of the movie and just be this like supportive mothering figure to... <laughs> yeah mopes is such a great turn like oh yeah and yeah and even at the end where she's like you don't want to do this you're not going to do anything to him no we'll take care of it go go around the corner <laughs> well apparently there's actually a deleted scene where they uh there's a deleted scene where they kill the two of them after oh wow that was implied to me it was implied yeah <laughs> i mean they went out to a farm in the countryside and lived the rest of their days happily as roommates oh god yeah. What was that one bit? And then we did, I was like, oh, I don't feel too good anymore. Yeah, then we took his head and we started playing, nope, nope, don't need to hear it. Okay, I think that's all I need to hear. <laughs> just the idea that he just full-on decapitated his enemies. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. I think it's unbelievably wholesome that you have this insanely corrupt character who wants to preserve Smoochie's innocence. Yeah, yeah, no, I like that too. Like, you are a... a a little wholesome bean in this world of horror, and you can't do this. We can do this because we're all going to hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, and and John Stewart. Oh, sorry. John, I ahead. was about to mention. Uh, yeah. 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 I was he, about to uh, mention John Stewart. Sorry, go on. He. he I, I. couldn't believe he was in this movie when he came on. I was like, <laughs> it's so bizarre, and it's hilarious because I. Uh, in that Joe Blow video, they, he makes fun of himself, but it's like he's great in it. He, yeah, he's, he's too hard on himself for that movie. He's such a sleaze bag. It's great. No, he plays it pretty well. I actually always kind of wish John Stewart did a few more acting roles. Uh, ever since the Daily Show, There's one movie I'm I'm not super hot on, but I do enjoy in passing. Uh, that I like him in is uh, Half Baked. Oh, he's in Half Baked. Yes, I uh, yeah. He does the scene in Half Baked where they're showing themselves starting to lead to everybody, and uh, you know, then we have what's called the Enhancer. He's a guy that oh. thinks every single thing in life can be enhanced by uh, weed, and he goes, "Hey, man." You ever seen Scent of a Woman? Yeah, I've seen it. You ever seen the it? The back of a $10 bill? You ever seen it? Oh, we... Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. 
Yeah. That is hilarious. And yes, I've seen Half-Baked too many times. <laughs> I saw it a long time ago. I wouldn't be able to quote it, but I have seen it. It's got funny bits for sure. I, 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 Some people like it more than I do, but it's definitely a fun 90 minutes. Yeah. It's a funny 90 minutes for sure. Uh, it's really unfortunate that uh, Dave Chappelle has gone the route he has and that Jim Brewer has decided to go full QAnon, but otherwise it's really good. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, that sucks. Yeah, Jim Brewer's full QAnon nowadays. And uh, I mean, Dave Chappelle's public persona has been obviously very publicized. <laughs> yeah. It is choices he's made in the last few years. But, uh, you know, what I, it is true, though. The cast in this movie is freaking stacked just from the get go. Harvey Firestein is a powerhouse in his time throughout yep. this. Uh, Dan, I love Danny Woodburn. I'm a big Seinfeld fan. I love this. Uh, I love the scenes with Kramer in, the, in Seinfeld. So him and this is just he's basically playing the exact same character as he did in Seinfeld. <laughs> like, Rob, are you a Seinfeld fan? I was not. Oh, OK, I, I, I know. I know. OK, I just well, I just I would watch episodes, but never I never like it never became part of my like schedule. So I've right. seen like six episodes. Okay, so I'll just, I'll, because Kayla here hates Seinfeld, and so... I don't hate Seinfeld. I don't think it's as funny as everyone told me it was growing up. And I recognize that other people find it funny, but Jerry Seinfeld isn't funny, and that to me. <laughs> like, the stuff happening around them is kind of funny, but... I'll be honest. I just with you. don't. I, I don't believe he's a working comedian in this because his jokes aren't landing. I thought. I think some of his jokes work pretty well in the show. But if I'm being honest with you, the the th the three big reasons I watched that show were Kramer, George, and Elaine. And uh, Kramer had a bit where throughout the run of the series, they they kind of went back to this a few times that Kramer is also an actor. It's implied that he acts and all that, even though it's never really. Like, it's not like a Joey Tribbiani thing in Friends where it's costly him going to auditions and stuff like that. You never really know how Kramer makes all of his money throughout the run of the series. Every so he's like, oh, I had an audition. Oh, I was in this commercial. And then next thing you know, it's like, oh, I was at the pony track. Oh, I was at this. But there's a running thing where he keeps going to these auditions and he's good friends with another actor played by Danny Woodburn, who is the uh, Rynette in this movie that uh, fights uh, that fights Rob Williams. I can't remember the character's name. Uh, Angelo. Right. Angelo. Yeah. And so he plays Angelo in this movie, but in Seinfeld, his character was quite literally uh, a little person actor who was getting pissed off because he kept getting shunned aside for the more attractive little people, and he never gets the proper roles that Kramer gets because Kramer's uh, Kramer is not focused enough for the big roles. So there's a lot of scenes where they're in like an audition together, and uh, somehow Kramer has accidentally sabotaged uh, Danny Woodburn's character when he's like flirting with another woman and stuff like that. Huh. A running thing about the series, but he basically played the same character he plays in this movie, right down uh, to the working actor part. That's interesting. Yeah, he was uh, uh, also a fantastic part of this movie. The the like the kid show like regular who's just like, man, I'm just here for my paycheck. Yeah, right? so jaded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what was the one that uh, Robin Williams? What was the one that Rainbow Randolph called his gang? The Rhinos was the Ryanettes. Was this the Cookie Kids? I think so. Yeah. Rainbow yeah. random. I'm gonna. Yeah. Now, one thing I find kind of fascinating of this, uh, I think this movie is beautifully shot. It is shot like a thriller, which I love. You know what I mean? And I think, yeah. uh, I think that really lends itself to a lot of what it's trying to do. Um, I don't know how to, how to either of you ever seen the movie Game Night? I know you have. Yes. Have you seen Game Night, Rob? Which one is that? Is that uh, Jason Bateman, Rachel McAdams? Uh, Game Night turns into a whole thing where they're actually trying to not get killed by a gang. Oh, oh! Highly recommend it. 
No, I, I've not. Yeah, no, I haven't seen that one. One thing I was going to say, though, highly recommend it. Great movie, hilarious. John Francis Daly and uh, Jonathan Goldstein, who recently just wrote and directed uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Heroes Among Thieves. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, uh, another fantastic movie. The, the, main, yeah, has... the main point of Game Night is it's an adult group of people who go really crazy on their game nights. Like, they'll hire a murder mystery thing and fake kidnap each other. But then they actually oh, wow. get involved in a gang, and they just think it's someone—it's one of their people pranking them the whole time. They think uh, they're still in the middle of game night. Um, that's amazing. It's freaking hilarious. Highly recommend it to anybody listening. We'll have a link to uh, watch it on Prime or buy the Blu-ray later uh, in our description. Uh, what I will say though is, much like that movie with John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, they explained how part of the reason why that movie comes across differently than a lot of the comedies because they didn't shoot it like a comedy; they shot it like a thriller. And yes. so they shot with those slow dolly moves and those creeps around and the stark lighting, but it was a comedy. And I think yeah. that's where this movie really highlights. I mean, it helps the DOP for this movie is the incredible DOP turned fantastic director, uh, Barry Sonnenfeld, who had actually before DOPing Death the Smoochie, he had just directed Men in Black. Oh my God. He oh, directed wow. Men in Black, Wild Wild West, Adam's Family. Adam's Family Values, and then he DOP'd Death to Smoochie. He did an amazing job. I love, uh, like you were saying, the lighting. I love that it's shot like a thriller and a mob film. Like, I totally believe all of the mob stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. And that's just it, is that you have this comedic script, but as dark and dramatic as it could be at times, it's a dark comedy, black comedy script. We know that, but... Yeah, the way they shoot it makes you feel like you're watching a proper thriller, which makes the humor, in my opinion, stand out a lot more and makes the actual, like, you know, intense aspects like the sniper shot and all that feel like you're watching a freaking, like, early 90s Harrison Ford thriller or something like that. Oh, but yeah. There's, like, the contrasty lighting and all the dinner, like, the table scenes where they're talking about stuff is all very, yeah. very intense. It's very intense. A lot of that, I think, comes down to uh, Davido's trust, clearly, and Barry Sonnenfeld, who, at this point... Like I said, he directed four movies at this point. I'm actually a little surprised that he would, because uh, at this point, his career trajectory was going to directing. I'm a little surprised that he was actually DOPing this at this point, um, because soon after this, he was already going to be doing Men in Black 2. Right. So it's not like he was, it must have been something that he did for Danny DeVito or something like that. But, um, you know, this guy's been carving his look forever. He was the DOP for the Coen Brothers' first four movies, first four or five movies. And he really kind of created that and established that look and feel that so many movies from the 90s started to copy. And so it does not surprise me that he kind of brought that back and kind of went back to some of his roots for uh, for this movie, which actually looks a lot shot-wise to the Coen's first movie, The Blood Simple, which I mentioned on another episode. But uh, it's just beautiful to me. And I think that lends itself so well to why so many of these scenes work. Like when you see the scene with uh, uh, Buggy about to shoot um, shoot Smoochie in the ice. The show. narcoleptic hitman. Oh my god! Yeah, the uh, he, well, he's narcoleptic because of his heroin use. <laughs> like, oh yeah, you hired a freaking heroin abuser for to be your hitman. <laughs> Just try to keep him awake to tell him the job. Oh my god! But even with that though, like that scene in any other movie would probably be brightly lit, brightly shown for the comedy. But like, uh, you know, I'm not. I, I like his work, but imagine that like a Will Ferrell movie from like 2005 or something. Oh right? yeah. It would have been brightly lit, flat lighting, but they didn't. They focused on the actual aesthetic of the genre. And I think that's what really separates this movie aside from a lot of movies of its sort of kind. And yeah, personally, I think it's a reason why it's why it's kind of grown in its 
appreciation over the test of time. Obviously, not the only reason, but I think that people don't really realize just how much the the visual candy of it all, you know, applies to their head of how what they think about this movie. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, like you like yeah. you said, and it's so it's like a black comedy that's dark, and then also shot like a like a you know a corruption uh, criminal thriller, and and like it's it really does like the quality of it when you watch it it's it's definitely one of those things where you don't want to maybe watch it in a theater all the time it's like one you want to watch at home yeah and yeah. that's like and how do you market something like this i mean i guess they didn't really find that out did they <laughs> yeah no i i, I don't think you can because it's like everybody you know you need to be able to market it in like two sentences yeah it's got to fit a niche it's like well it's not sci-fi it's not fantasy and it's not you know it's it's not a kid's show Barney like, meets pulp fiction <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's not something that's easy to market. No, it isn't. Today it would be. Today when you have streaming, and you absolutely could be. It's like what we're saying. This thing would work really well as a modern day miniseries, in my opinion. Um, what I actually really liked about Smoochie's character is, even though he is a children's performer, he's clearly an artist. When you see his weird eye show, yeah. where it's just him processing his trauma and <laughs> giving a send off, yeah. and so. I remember many, 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 many years ago, uh, I was probably about six years old, I remember, um, we went, I don't know if we went with my uncle or something like that, we went to like an Aladdin on ice thing, right? And I, I remember brief flashes of it, I remember Genie coming out, I remember the, which I now think about it, it was probably just an inflatable Genie starting to inflate up over everything, but yeah, I see a lot of tacky stuff, so it's hilarious to see, yeah, his perception of an ice show is just like opera interpretive dance. <laughs> very artsy yeah yeah i've never actually been to a nice show so uh but i i got that that was definitely not what a nice show is no no not at all that 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 was actually quite nice although what i will say is uh the skating it was wonderful um and i know he choreographed the skate sequence in the credits i don't know if he choreographed the ice rink one but uh the olympic winning um figure skater from canada elvis stoiko actually choreographed the figure skating at the end of the movie Huh. Of death yeah. to Smoochie? In death to Smoochie. What? Uh, where did you find that out? Come on. Does anybody look at IMDb anymore? I am. <laughs> there's just too much to read. Because there's so much about this movie. But no, Elvis Stoiko was the uh, choreographer for the um, for the sequence at the end with the credits. And that he actually was also, he was also the one skating for uh, uh, Rainbow Randall for a lot of the wides. Like, you know, when he does that insane, like, uh, that super fast, I don't know any figure skating Spin. terms, but you know that super fast twirl he does at the end? That yeah. was all Elvis Stoiko. Move over, Deadpool. Smoochie did it first. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm so excited for Deadpool 3. I cannot wait. Oh, man, right? I, I, we're not, we're not going to talk about any potential no, leaks no. on here right now. But No, no, just excited. Good stuff out there, guys. <laughs> We got uh, we're, we're okay with spoilers, uh, with warnings here. We're not okay with leaks on here. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. now that you now that you talk about like a Netflix series, like oh, this this would be they really need. It just yeah. sucks that it didn't do very well because like they they won't touch it. But like it would be great as like a redo with a six episode thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. I and I agree with that. I think it's becoming enough of a cult status now that we could probably actually see something like that happening. Like. You know, recently there's been a, in the last few years, there's been a bit of a trend of streamers um, adapting movies into TV shows. There's a current one that just happened with, uh, uh, man, I want, to, I want to say her name, Jesse Eisenberg and Lizzie Caplet. It was a TV adaptation of the movie Fleischman is in Trouble. 
that was the one that they were doing recently. And, you know, they have the new Fatal Attraction series coming out. They tried, they tried doing a Cruel Intentions series that didn't really uh, end up happening. They had a pilot for it and everything. But what I'm saying, though, is, like, I think we are at a point now where I could see somebody pitching a six-episode Death to Smoochie miniseries. That's yeah. true. I mean, for God's sake, Danny, Donald Glover is doing a Mr. and Mrs. Smith series now on Amazon. And it's like, yeah, we're calling that a classic now, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I think also with Death to Smoochie, it's obviously uh, gathered a cult following after it had the initial flop. Once people realized what it was trying to do and the movie it was, I think it's got a lot more appreciation. So if you did do a series, it would be easy at a pitch because you do actually have a fan base of people who like it. Do you ever find that era of movies seems to have a lot of that? Like yes. Death to Smoochie, Josie and the Pussycats, um, Scooby-Doo, like these movies that on the out front looked in the case of death to smoochie may have looked a little, uh, seemed a little half baked at the time to critics, uh, not really realizing what the movie was trying to do or, you know, movies like Josie, the pussycats, which is just got slammed by critics at the time, which is a huge cult classic nowadays. Cause now we recognize that it was actually criticizing, uh, media of that time and the, and the concept of corporate takeover towards young children, right? Which scream was it that people didn't like about being scream on three. a film set? Scream 3 about yeah. being on a film set, but it was actually, it was all about Me Too and the Harvey, uh, the, uh, Harvey Weinstein stuff years before we were talking about this. Oh, yeah. And, and we see all this now, and so it's not surprising to me that Death to Smoochie has gained this cult following. One thing I have to question is if uh, Gen X, which came, came out around that time, was a big reason why these movies were not taking at the time. You know, you had a lot of Gen X writers coming out, making these scripts that maybe are a bit more nihilistic, a bit more cynical, stuff like that, and the audience was not ready for a lot of these. And in case of Josie and the Pussycats, they were expecting another kids movie, when in reality, that is not a kids movie. Oh, God. I no. was expecting yeah. a kids movie, and I, on a rewatch, I enjoyed it a lot more when I was older because I understood what it was doing. I find yeah. it's the marketing of these kinds of movies in that era, I think, was a big part of people not getting it because when you're sold yeah. a movie you go in with that idea in your head especially if you bought your kids to this i would if i would if i was a parent and i bought my kids to this i'd be like oh was this an okay thing to bring them to well if you're a parent taking your kids to a movie called death to smoochie with a uh, dead rhino under a body bag on the poster i kind of question your judgment <laughs> i mean i think a lot parent... of the things <laughs> sorry uh, I think a lot of the things too is that like uh, there's different places for movies. Like even nowadays, I find like you know I'm I'm like if you're working and you're busy, you have to like movies are like I have to do it at like an afternoon on a weekend or an evening on a night. Whereas once it's like on it's like a, a, a download or it's on streaming, it's like I'm gonna watch a movie at 11 a.m. on Sunday while I'm cleaning the house, and that is not something that you like. That's a very different type of movie than one that I want to go sit in a theater and focus everything. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen this movie in theaters. I'm not going to lie. I would have loved it. I would have loved um, to see it at the Rio and, and just be half cut while I watch it and uh, hearing everybody <laughs> shout and just that would be ideal. That uh, would be amazing. You hear that, Corin? You hear that, Rachel? Death to Smoochie at the Rio, please. Yes. <laughs> Next up, after we get this miniseries, I want Smoochie on ice. I want to go to the show. on ice. <laughs> making, yeah, there's something that's never been done. A, an ice show for, like, adults with, like, a, a dark plot. Yeah. Do it. Let's friggin' do it. Uh. <laughs> it's, it's such a great take on ice shows, too, because... My family always took me to Disney on ice. It was a thing we did with all the cousins. It was a huge thing in my family to go to Disney on ice. So having been to 
a Disney ice show and seeing all of the memorabilia and that and everything is made to make you buy stuff for your kids. Yeah. It's yeah. so interesting that this is the take they did. I find it extra hilarious because I saw Disney ice shows as part of my childhood. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Huh. I did not, did not know that. No, and I, I, I feel like I've missed out on the world because I've never seen an ice show. Yeah, you kind of fucked up there, Rob. Yeah, clearly I'm <laughs> failing at life. It's If you've been to Disneyland, you've seen it. It's basically Disneyland princesses and that on ice. Except no rides. Except no rides, yeah. Except for the ride Clearly. they take you on price-wise. What? Yeah no, uh, uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't have wanted to watch it then. The rides are why I went to Disneyland. Yeah, precisely, right? There was also fun ice skating, but they, it was just people ice skating the plot of the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much all that ever is. Actually, it's funny, because we talked about kidding earlier, the Jim Carrey show, and they actually had a very similar plot line for uh, half a season about uh, Jim Carrey not wanting to do a uh, Mr. Pickles not wanting there to be an ice show about Mr. Pickles because he's like, that's not real. It's not really me out there. It's just a lie for corporate and capitalist gaining. And it's like this whole thing. He's just so adamantly against the ice show. So partially that could have been inspired by Death of Smoochie. And I'm also kind of curious if this is actually a big ire with children's performers, but or if this is actually some sort of actual big point of contention in the world of children's programming. I can't imagine it is. But, yeah, I would like assume that behind the scenes, it's pretty blatantly about money and selling things. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that can be uh, very demoralizing to people. Sometimes people will see a movie like this and they almost want to keep the lie instead of somebody trying to say how the industry really is through their art. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could actually, I mean, once again, Scream 3. <laughs> oh, man, but. You know, there's a lot of stuff about Death to Smoochie that I, I find very, uh, very endearing. Like, first off, I think Edward Norton really should have done more comedy in his life. Uh, should do more comedy. I mean, he was in Glass Onion last year, which he was fantastic in. But I thought he was very funny just being this earnest person in this. Like, I think the one part that made me laugh my ass off in this movie was when they're inside of the uh, the board meeting for all the merchandise. Yeah. <laughs> and he just has that yeah. whole, like, I'm just focused on making the best smoochie show we could possibly make for the kids te learning teaching lessons and making good vibes and who's with me uh, <laughs> <laughs> just complete silence crickets i love when she locks him out of the room right yeah <laughs> oh man no i um i i really did i really did like this movie it's actually interesting because it this movie was ahead of its time i think ahead of its time ahead of its time in multiple ways and sherman's character like Kayla was saying earlier sherman was supposed to be an outsider character and always something that we're making fun of, but that's very much somebody that you see on the regular nowadays. Um, you know, the idea about children's performances, we now know in a post me Too world and post, you know, uh, I, if, if anyone's familiar, I'm not going to explain a lot of it, but if anyone's familiar with, uh, uh, James, uh, Jimmy Cavill, uh, or Jimmy Seville in, um, England, I'm not going to get into it on this podcast, but we're now in a world yeah. of post all that. <laughs> Look it up. Yes. Oh God. Oh God. That but is, now, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah. I kind of feel like though we may have gotten that with kidding with Jim, with Jim Carrey, which Showtime did not give the attention it deserved. But yeah, I think nowadays though this movie would do gangbusters exactly with what we know about this world now, right? It actually gives me not in the exact same style of comedy because it's obviously live action, but it seems to have the same sense of sarcasm as Who Framed Roger Rabbit to me. Yeah, very much like the darkness behind the like the shine. 
Yeah, because Roger Rabbit, I felt, does a similar thing with, you know, like, cartoons where Roger's just kind of a nice guy and it's all yeah. the corporate people around him trying to take him down. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right about that. Uh, I can actually see that quite a bit. And also, considering I kind of found, uh, Danny, I, if I'm being 100% honest with you, I have quite uh, often in the past confused uh, Danny DeVito and Bob Hoskins. So... I can absolutely uh, see the comparison to Roger Rabbit. <laughs> um, I yeah. can see that. I can absolutely see that. Yeah, right? They oh, both and, have that, and, like, grizzly voice. And for our yeah. listeners, if you want a modern Who Framed Roger Rabbit, watch Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Oh, easily. Are you I think kidding? it's legitimately a sequel. Yes. What? Have you not seen it? It no. has uh, it has mice addicted to cheese. Like they use cheese as a drug in this world. Oh, buddy, the the movie's about uh, effectively about drug addiction and human trafficking. It's what? Uh, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Okay, so this is a pitch. This is a sentence you probably thought you'd never hear. Go see Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers on Disney Plus, starring Andy Samberg and John Mulaney in this wonderful story about drug addiction and human trafficking and the fall of fame, taking place in the same universe as Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Tunes are getting Tunes are getting kidnapped and basically being like chinified for for you know the bad remakes of Beauty and the Beast and the animation looks slightly off. It people uh, are kidnapping tunes, putting them in a machine and turning them into that to work overseas wow. for free. Basically. And they don't pay their debts. Oh wow. That is a trip. Yeah, I, I, I highly, this. highly Highly recommend watching this movie. That sounds incredible. I'm going to watch that later today while I work. So you absolutely should, absolutely should. But now I see Kayla where you're coming from though with the Roger Rabbit comparison here, and I could totally see that. Like it, it's the same sort of concept, really. It's you know you got the mafia the, uh, getting involved with children entertainers. How's that any different than Roger Rabbit? <laughs> yeah. No. You know one thing I loved about this movie. Um, is the is the music in it the songs that they're singing for uh for Smoochie for Rainbow Randolph um with the exception of the stepdad one these sound like songs that you would have heard anyways as a kid like it's not the sort of thing where you're listening to it and it's like clearly a parody some of these songs you're hearing you're like oh I remember this for this from when I was younger but it's not real you know what I mean it was made for the movie yeah um I've used a term earlier that uh in the Simpsons world in the writers of the Simpsons used to use a term called Swartzweldian. What it is, is uh, one of the writers in The Simpsons, John, Simpsons, John Swerswelder, the most prolific writer in the history of the show. He wrote 56 episodes, while the second most amount of episodes by a single writer is 13. So he wrote 56 episodes, and one thing that he would do in his episodes is he would create sayings that they would call Swartzweldian because they're a saying that sounds like it's always existed before the show ever was on. Like uh, the episode about prohibition, Homer says at the end, ah, everyone, to alcohol, the cause and solution to all of life's problems. Yeah. That was made up for the episode, but it's the sort of thing you hear and you, was, you feel like that's a saying you've heard yeah. many times before. You're like, yeah, my uncle said that when I was a kid. No, he did. Yeah, exactly. And so that, I would use that. So I like to use that term, Swartzweldian, for that sort of stuff. I say the same thing about the music on the show, The Righteous Gemstones. Um, but in this show here, same in this movie here, same thing. All the songs that uh, Reno Randolph sings, the songs that Smoochie sings, these all sound like things that you could remember hearing on like Barney or something like that. Like or... like a goofy movie, actually. We talked about that recently with yeah. all the Powerline songs. Yeah. Sound like something just in the world. Yeah, exactly. It, you know what I mean? I, I really find there's a special talent to that because 
and it's also kind of unfortunate because you know that the source of this movie means these songs will never be sung by kids. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um, what was your guys' favorite part of the movie? Huh. I I like I think the favorite part was the uh was it spinner spinner done. I, I just loved that whole like that whole subplot that with like the mafia that's sort of how they tie in that he like made powerful friends this way and they yeah. both managed to like really show that Sheldon is is a good guy and cares about people and that like even the you know the bad mafia people aren't aren't necessarily evil they're just dangerous yeah also the fact that the uh, biggest charity supporter is run by the mob is always a really funny touch yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What about you, Kevin? Oh man, for me, uh, you know, I, I okay. So as I was saying earlier, I'm a I love Robin Williams. So it's hard for me not to love every moment of Williams just chewing the hell out of the scenery, especially the moment where he comes in with the gun to uh, uh, to Nora and Sherman. Yeah, and he comes in with the gun with that. I love that whole chewing the scenery. He starts listing off all the children's host uh, entertainers that she slept with, and then it's that one line where he goes. Uh, oh, oh, no, so I forgot. Uh, Willie the whale. Sorry, Willie the whale. What did you two do? And you just hear Robin Williams go, Dar she blows. <laughs> oh, my God. I lost it in that. Caleb, what about you? I, uh, I have so many favorite parts of this movie. This is one of my new favorite movies. But, uh, I just love some of the the dialogue when uh with Robin Williams with Robin Williams just laying in to Smoochie where it just all all of the quotes he has about how he's going to take him down just it's so creative and deranged and it's the Robin Williams I always wanted to see. Uh, one thing I love about that too is that a lot of those scenes are when he's in that uh, kind of warehouse thing with like warehouse district with the fire with the garbage can fire. And when I'm watching these scenes, I'm actually having to wonder when he's doing those like little villainous monologues of how he's going to take down Smoochie. Did they just put the cameras on Robin Williams and just let him go for it for like 20 minutes? Probably. Because we're talking about the guy who his entire comedy set list was just topics on a piece of paper. He didn't actually have jokes written or anything. Huh. <laughs> and this is actually what I want to talk about too, is that earlier on I mentioned about my thoughts on Robin Williams is like one of the greatest performers in history and i stand by this because i think he's a singular talent that we only really get one of every few hundred years you can get people who master in comedy you can get people who master in acting and writing what have you but robin williams was this not just a force he was just this like alien of himself right you know what i mean like you could say the word i don't know pocket lint say the word pocket lint around him and next thing you know he'll be finishing a two-hour set on pocket lint right there right from the second you're and it'll be the funniest damn thing you've ever heard and you know what I mean? That's what I, and that's what I love about this guy. He brings so much of that manic energy to this movie, which works so bloody well as a villain in this, which his next two villain roles, one hour photo and insomniac, he didn't really go there in that way with it. He did. He was a lot no, more it was like quiet, sinister. Yeah. But actually, now that I think about it, if I could pinpoint one scene that was my favorite, it's when he gets really dark on the kids show and gets them all to howl. Oh man, and the can... camera looks at him and it just kind of has that quiet resolve after he howls and he just kind of looks almost like evil for a second. It's this dark moment where you're like, is this the thing that's going to snap this guy? Because he's been like, 
basically had to deal with cancel culture and been told he's a Nazi. Yeah. And he's been on At the a time street. The world actually cared about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's but yeah. it's such an intense moment where you can tell that as he's performing, he's processing and people watching him, they're not worried about what he's saying. They're worried about his mental health because he's become such a beloved character yeah. and they realize this horrible thing that's happened to him. Yeah. And you can see on their face, they're like, is he okay? Yeah. Actually, you know, I want to revise what I said earlier. The reveal of the Nazi party was actually the funniest thing of this whole movie to me. (laughs) (laughs) The lights coming up, hail Smoochie, was one of the funniest things I've I've watched in a long time. Like, oh my god. Uh, I I always love that sort of thing, though, where it's just the absolute worst and unexpected thing you could have possibly thought of with this. No, it also kind of... Kind of funny because Edward Norton's like one of his big breakout roles was uh, American History X. Right. <laughs> uh, oh my god. Yeah, that was only Great four years before this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, Rob. Although I will uh, hate to say it, but we're actually out of time. Excellent. Um, I have to go get some. Uh, I have to go download or get get my Disney Plus subscription to watch this Chippendales. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. For anybody who's listening, you can, uh, we have links in our description for DVDs and Prime Video Rentals for Death to Smoochie, as well as, what was the other one we were talking about? Toys. Toys. Wait. Thank you very much. Death to Smoochie and Toys we'll be putting up on here, uh, as well as links to Rob's YouTube page. And Rob, is there anything that you'd like to say? Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, yeah, you can check out my YouTube channel. I got a bunch of random weird stuff. I got a three-season fantasy series called Standard Action on it, and I got uh, an interview talk show called Between Two Pints, and uh, I'm launching some new fantasy short films on that YouTube channel uh, later this summer. That's fantastic. We'll keep a lookout for them. All right. Rob, thank you very much. Thank you for having me.